Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports radio afternoon show. I grind every day just so I can live a better life. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. It's time to get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. Joining us now, of course, our good friend, longtime jazz assistant coach. He's the one and only... Gordon Chiesa with us here on the big show. Coach, I hit the post right there. Did you notice that? Yes. Nailed it. I feel Thank you. Radio FM DJ Jake is very proud of himself right now, Coach. I appreciate your goodwill. <laughs> I would love this tune. I uh, love this song, right? Exactly. For the listeners right now, especially the younger people, this is by Redbone back in 1974, and it's still pretty hip. You know, it made a comeback, Coach, with the... Um, the uh, Galaxy. Yeah, the Guardians of the Galaxy. It was so good. They put it in that movie so well. Very much. And the way they did it during the uh, one scene, it was spectacular. Yeah, it was awesome. I thought of you when I saw that movie, Coach. I'm sorry to hear that. You and I you and I bond over that tune, and that goes back, oh, how long now, Coach? 15 years? Oh, more? at least, yeah. yeah. Very much, so, yes. Back in, back in the old studio. Yep. So wait a second. You're thinking of Gordy as you're watching a sci-fi superhero No, we, that thing? was like our theme song. Coach and I... It was uh, it was uh, what's on tap for the weekend. What did we call that, Coach? Where you asked me about my weekend? And yeah, we played we did, the segment was what is Jake doing this for this weekend? That's right. That's <laughs> right. The best best segment in radio history, if I do say. And remember, I said to Jake that a long time ago that he was going to marry a lawyer. Just yep. saying. <laughs> yep, Coach absolutely said that. Just saying. Yep. And you know what Jake did over this last weekend, Gordy? He, no, tell me. He uh, Naz, uh, his beautiful wife, took him. Up uh, for a little uh, getaway for his, his uh, 40th birthday. 4 Coach. Well deserved. You look great. Oh, thanks, buddy. Well, hey, as always, Coach, thanks for jumping on the show. Uh, let's start with the big news of the day. Dennis Lindsay is going to take an advisory role within the Jazz. Justin Zanuck will continue as GM, but a little bit of a, a, a change in the front office. Your thoughts? Very much. Well, it's great for, for uh, Dennis right now to take a step back. Now, let's not forget... I'm looking through the tea leaves. Oh, by the way, he's only 52 years old. So he's an absolutely young person, both uh, business-wise and also in real life. So he has a lot more game in him. He said recently that he wants to spend more time with his family, and I'm sure that is absolutely accurate. But at age 52, I'm looking forward to see uh, after he, uh, he rests him what happens to the next part of his career arc. He did a great job with the Jets. Just some quick arithmetic. He's... Uh, 
with the Jazz for nine years, 25 years in the NBA. And by the way, he was the guy that drafted Rudy Gobert at 27 and Donovan Mitchell at 13. And he signed uh, Quinn Snyder, who's been a terrific coach for the Jazz for the last seven years. So he has his mark on Jazz basketball. Very impressive. So, Gordy, uh, with all your NBA experience, what do you make of uh, what's happening with the Jazz right now? Ryan Smith is uh, he, he said after he uh, hired uh, uh, or uh, sold part of the team to Dwayne Wade that it was just the beginning, and it looks like it is just the beginning. Uh, what do you make of his aggressive nature in trying to uh, build something even better? I think it's great. Exactly. So he is the boss of the Jazz, owns the team, and he's going to try to develop a, a different, slightly culture. Now, the culture is successful, but now if Jazz goes forward, they're going to try to get a lot more uh, just uh, um, players, that uh, the two-way players that can guard the ball and also shoot threes. So he's going to revamp, I'm assuming now, the parts of the front office and get people in that, those positions besides Justin Zanuck. We know did a good job general manager with the Jazz. When you're a Jazz general manager, like all people in the NBA, you have this awful thing of talking to the agents all day long. So part of a general manager's responsibility is to talk to other executives about possible trades, etc., the business of basketball, but you're talking to the agents. Now, above that, most times now, there's a president of, of basketball ops. He runs the whole thing, and he also has the final say most times in every basketball decision, both personnel and as far as uh, with the organization. And that's where it gets interesting, because that was Dennis Lindsay's job, who replaces him. So we know about the rumors, the uh, Danny Ainge, et cetera, everyone else. And there's another person that you might, they might consider that's out there. He resigned about two weeks ago from the Miami Heat. He's a former NBA player, terrific, and he's, he has an analytic background, and he might be able to intersect the playing factor at a high level with the analytics. I just described Shane Battier. Um, Coach, you, you, of course, when you were coaching here with the Jazz, you worked with uh, Scott Layden uh, as, uh, as he was the general manager and Kevin O'Connor. And in your roles in front offices in the different places that you've gone, you worked for a number of different uh, GMs and, and president of basketball operations types. Is there, is there some connective tissue, Coach? Is there there's something that you've observed that makes the different uh, GMs you've worked for good at their jobs? It's combining... In other words, all I know is what I see, not what I hear. So you've got to really disfranchise all the things about about what people are telling you how good this guy is, and that you've got to visualize uh, the potential of a player or if he's underserved with a, with a different team. So, Jake, I've been saying this for decades. Don't tell me when a guy's good after he's good. Tell me, tell me why he's going to be good before it happens. And that's when it separates everybody. So you've got it. So management is um, is being articulate about a message, but also it's most times it's instinctive. Jake, when I and Gordon, when I watch guys play. Uh, I go more by my instincts with an element of analytics. Yes, the analytics are absolutely critical. But I can assure you, Jake, in tonight's game, uh, Phoenix Suns versus L.A. Clippers, both teams could cuss by a- analytics. Analytics are thrown out the door. It's mono a mono. If you get my drift, Jake and Gordon, in a playoff game. Yeah, the guy might go right 82% of the time. I get that. But often in a playoff game, Jake, the guy doesn't cooperate. He's going what? Left, back to right, back to left. And that's all part of it. So that, 
gen- really sound general managers are able to draft players and select players within the, within the NBA that fit for your team and then fast-track their development. It's absolutely a skill. Anybody can judge, can judge if a guy can run and jump. The question is, does a guy can do that, plus can he, does he play to win? And that's when it gets absolutely critical as far as who's viewing it. Now, Gordy, this, is a, this, is, this topic is really interesting to me because, for instance, you can have a couple different people involved in a process at the top of a, a, a team who disagree. Smart people disagree all the time, right? Correct. And, and so it, it, it's interesting. For instance, and I don't know who wanted what this last year, so I'm just taking this off the top shelf and just sort of running with it. But the Jazz draft a big man in the first round this past draft. Well, when I'm looking at the Jazz, I'm thinking they need perimeter defense. They need wings. And they drafted a big man. Now, I don't know whose decision that was. I don't know why they did that. But I can see why smart people sometimes are disagreed with by other smart people. Uh, did you ever experience that? And, and how do you best handle that? Oh, absolutely. And that's good. What you want to do is have people around you that give you a different viewpoint. And here's the reasons why. And you explained it, that I think that this guy, I always say that when I was director of pro personnel, what is a person's ceiling? In other words, we're taught in life to our children, our loved ones, never let anybody tell you about your ceiling. I get that. That's when you're able to use your brain all the time. But in basketball, besides your brain, it's a thing called what? Athleticism. So you might, be, you might be the smartest player in the earth, but if you don't have a, a certain level of uh, being uh, athleticism, you're not going to be able to compete at the top of the apex. So that's another part of it. Another part of it is that in basketball, just very similar to football and soccer, oh, by the way, there's a moving ball. It's a moving object. So the question is, who can play with others within that? So how do you showcase your athleticism, your high skill level, and do it in a team concept? And that when I view guys in management, and that's what it gets interesting, where some people, uh, Gordon, in the, in the meetings, quote, in the war room, they just only go by knockout talent. This guy has enough talent to be able to play in the NBA. Other guys go the opposite, where they look at a player and they look way too many intangibles, where, remember, most coaches, Jake, they fall in love with the 15th man on the roster. That's their favorite player, the 15th man, because you know why? He's so happy to be there. If the coach said, run through the wall, literally this generation, they still might consider it. And the reason why, there's a high level of listability. What that said is that you've got to get players around you and people that in the workspace that give you a different viewpoint and then you decide as far as decision makers what your team needs to do so in jazz basketball when i was there for 16 years we 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 often disagreed but we call it um agree um, disagree agree and then once we leave the building align oh that's good yeah disagree agree and once you leave the building we align so we, so we had a many, many a time. So, example, the classic one back in 2005, and affected jazz basketball it too well, but maybe even better in a different alternative. That's when some of us wanted Chris Paul in the 2005 draft. Some of us wanted uh, Darren Williams. And so there was that great debate internally. And the final thing was uh, the jazz draft of Darren Williams, who was an absolute all-star and was a franchise-type player. And Chris Paul was, went, to the, went, went number four in the draft, and he's still playing tonight. 
So again, there's no right or wrong, but it has to. It has to be a consensus. But everybody can't uh, think the same. Last point is this: is that when you have a winning organization, whether it's the NFL or in the NBA, that people think differently, but they have the same value system, and that's what makes it great. I think there was a right or wrong on that on that one. <laughs> no, you're right. no, you're exactly Chris right. Ball, come on, Chris Paul had to be the man, didn't he? Well, that's that's one viewpoint. Other one, Darren Williams was an all-star, as an all-NBA player, and him and Boozer and his sidekick, Memento Core, oh, by the way, back in 2007, after John and Call, and after uh, retooling for those two or uh, three years, that the Jazz went to the uh, conference finals in 06-07 with those young guys. Impressive. Coach, I do want to ask you uh, about the playoffs going on now. And uh, if if you had a chance, I'm sure you did, had a chance to watch game four between the Suns and the and the Clippers. Uh, the Suns shot 30, let's see, 36% from the field, and they were the winning team, 84, 84 to 80. But I guess uh, it's amazing what happens in the playoffs when desperation and energy ratchets up. Boy, the defense just hits a, a new level. Oh, absolutely. And the reason why is because of – Schematically, they are apps. They're staying at home on the shooters, and there's a huge element of physicality. And so, they in NBA basketball, Jake, most points in the fourth quarter, just generally speaking, in a playoff game, are scored below the foul line extended. Meanwhile, the middle game, taking a ball to the basket, stick back layups, broken plays in the lane where the guy balls ball finds me and I lay it up. And that's how you win these unbelievable gritty games. In playoff basketball, Gordon, there's no such thing as an ugly win. It might be ugly on TV, but to the 10 players on the court and the management groups and the organizational uh, people, it's a great win despite being allegedly uh, ugly. Jake, in that game, let's allude to that, is that the Suns win the game shooting 4 for 20 from 3 which shows you that it's so hard to score in a game. And that's why, that's why it's critical that you have um, offensive playmakers that can make uh, and creators that can make plays out of nothing. I just described uh, Chris Paul and Devin Booker now with his uh, face mask off his nose. You know, Gordy, I, I, know, that, uh, I know that it takes talent to win uh, championships, and it, uh, but I also think uh, – Luck plays a role as well. Have you, or bad luck sometimes, have you ever seen a play like the one that uh, uh, Trey Young tweaked his ankle on when he stepped on the ref's foot? No, I've seen that, but never to that magnitude where it affected the outcome because he had it rolling. Up to that point, he had it absolutely rolling in that game where he was making shots. He had a hard time to guard him. And with Gordon's list, it's in case that people missed it on 1280 The Zone Radio, as far as Gordon's talking about, was uh, Trey Young in the, in the, was running was, uh, on the sideline there, and he, he accidentally uh, tripped on uh, Sean Wright's foot, the referee, and they had to go in the locker room. And so they, put, they sat him out the rest of the third quarter, but in the fourth quarter, he gets back in the game. He shoots only one. He only scores three points, shoots one for four, and it did affect the outcome of the game. We know and we'll never know because he scored 35 points up to that, uh, up to that uh, moment, and he had it rolling. And I understand the ref is standing behind him, yes, on and all line. of a sudden he he made a sudden step back. Him meaning Trey Young, and so I, it was hard to blame the ref. I mean, I, I how is he supposed to? Maybe he should have backed off a little more. 
But uh, that was just, uh, I, I saw that, and I just thought, man, what are the odds of that? Very, very, very low. And to add to that, so when Trey Young did that, I actually call it negative step. We teach the players all the time that you're on the sideline. You never put your step back, a step backwards because, one, it's the sideline, and, two, because the referee's foot. So he made, a, a, unfortunately, a, a, bad, a bad decision with a negative step. Most times when you're in the short corner three or on the sideline, with your, your other foot, you're going to lead that foot in, whether to step into a shot or whether you're going to uh, go after a ball. But in, in that, he, he, he did a negative step, and that affected him and maybe the outcome of uh, that game, maybe the series. We'll see. Coach, I understand you have a list for us today. Yes. This lick, uh, uh, Jake, is about um, winning. Yeah, winning in playoff games, and it sounds so trivial, but it's not. Do you realize this one, Jake and uh, Gordon, that um, Chris Paul, who we mentioned earlier, is one victory away from finally getting to the NBA Finals? After for the 16-year career, he's never been in the, in the finals, and I can assure you that what fun it is and what intensity, and it's um, in Chris Paul's world, he's thinking about it between now and when it does, if it does happen. With that said, this is a, a dozen players who have the most career playoff wins individually. They might have played for a few different franchises, but the top 12 all-times of players that have wins in the playoffs. Number 12, total wins. Byron Scott, Lakers, won 120 playoff games. Number 11, Magic Johnson, the Lakers, won 128. Number 10, Shaquille O'Neal of the Magic, Lakers, Heat, Suns, Cavs, and Celtics won 129 playoff games. Tied for eight with 135 playoff wins are Manu Ginobili of the Spurs and Kobe Bryant of the Lakers. Number seven, Scottie Pippen played for the Bulls, Rockets, and Trailblazers, had 136 playoff wins. Number six, the Frenchman, Tony Parker of the Spurs had 137 playoff wins. Number five all-time in wins, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar from the Bucks and Lakers had 154 playoff wins. Number four, Jake, interesting, Gordon, this guy you never think about, had 155 playoff wins. His nickname was Big Shot Rob. Robert Horry played for the Rockets, Lakers, and Spurs. Number three, all-time from the Spurs with 157 playoff wins, Tim Duncan. Number two, from the Lakers, Jazz, and the Thunder with 161 playoff wins, Derek Fisher. And number one, he still plays in the NBA. He plays on the Lakers. He got hurt and during the playoffs. LeBron James with the Cavs, the Heat, and the Lakers has a, he's the number one all-time in wins with 174 playoff wins in 266 overall games. Quickly, jazz basketball. John Stockton's number one as the all-time career playoff win leader with 89. Thus, that's my winning list. How about that? Coach, we appreciate uh, your visit as always. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Peace out. Stay well. See you, Coach. Our friend Coach Gordon Chiesa with us here on the Big Show. Good stuff. That was really interesting diving into, uh, you know, illustrating his point on front offices and those sorts of things, making critical decisions where he brought up that there was a divide between 
Chris Paul and uh, Darren Williams' opinions on which way they should go. But you never got that after the draft was made, right? You never never really heard about that, at least publicly. Uh, well, I, I, I remember hearing about it. Publicly. Right. They didn't talk about it publicly. But, but that's uh, what he said. After they, get a... out of the, after they get out of the facility— yeah, I got some. I got one of the parties involved in that to sort of edge in a direction once, but uh, just edged. Didn't exactly and bark. There was a divide. No, and, and like what's some, the detail? Somebody, Who somebody is this? Out. I, I better, see. You're not going to do it publicly for them. Yeah, I, I, I guess. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a divide. Think of the two most powerful people. Involved in the jazz, other than ownership, and those two disagreed, and one of them won out. And you never heard either of them talk about it. Nope. And they made the wrong decision, which you yourself hey, have waffled on in print form. So don't what you no. wrote. Yes, you did. You wrote I a did. column about oh, how you were wrong right. about Chris Paul and that Darren Williams is the better player. Because I thought I thought Chris Paul was should have been the pick, and then when Darren Williams was playing the way he did, then I said, "Oops!" And then, but I was wrong the second time. I was right the first time. Which I I should not give you grief about because I can certainly appreciate somebody whose uh, opinion is evolvable. Is that even a word? <laughs> uh, given new information, and then in this case, new information again, but. I shouldn't well, use the word waffle because I actually don't think it's a bad thing that but, you your opinion is a free-flowing uh, well, idea. Look, I mean, are you supposed to lock on to one thing and then stay by it for the next yeah, 15 that's, years? that's or? what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I appreciate you being uh, uh, willing to adjust your opinion based on new information. So but, I, that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to give you grief about Right. That. The whole point is that really smart people can disagree. I mean, it's just— just don't tell Gordon about it. it, it it's part of it, and <laughs> it, it happens. Not, a, not even a laugh there? Well, I, I, what do you mean? I said, you can disagree. Just don't tell Gordon about it because well, he's going to wave it out on the radio in oh. uh, 2021. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. I was careful. Yeah. But that was the whole point is, you know, when you leave the facility publicly, you don't. I think together. he should. I think he should just keep firing away. Just, just, just light fires. What a dumb pick that was. <laughs> I can't imagine what he was thinking. Yeah, no. That's, that's one way to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, stay tuned. Uh, we'll have more Big Show uh, coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.